Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Monday, December 16th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Joining me is my very sickly, meager, weak co-host, stricken with the flu or something like that. Something. <laughs> Matt Sheehan. Matt, how you doing? Just how you described. <laughs> I I feel like a, a million bucks right now. Matt, uh, what do you what are you rocking right now? Uh, a fever around yeah, one hundred and two. Just a little one hundred and two action, you know. A little one hundred and two. Some light. So, <laughs> yeah. Is your uh, is your wife walking around in one of those like smog masks that you'll see people wear? Yeah, she she's got a hazmat suit on. Yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. Yeah, she won't come within twenty feet of me. But she's going full Stranger Things, although you don't understand that reference. No, I have no idea, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. Great. Well, thanks for uh, trooping through this. We're going to probably keep it a little tight just so Matt doesn't fall asleep or vomit uh, on his keyboard. Or both. Or probably both. both. Yeah. Probably both. Fall asleep and vomit. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about Michigan State beating Oakland. Some Ooh. things to take from that game that I think maybe get overlooked a little bit that are some positives. And then we're going to talk about uh, a story that was in uh, the free press from Sean Windsor, who um, writes a lot of stuff about... MSU football basketball does some features work as well um, about Cassius Winston and just how he's doing with the grief of, of losing his brother and how much it's impacting things uh, because we need to continue to talk about that because uh, I'll be damned if we're going to just overlook something like that continuously and not uh, use it to provide proper context for what's going on this season. So that's the plan for today's show. Let's uh, jump right into it. Let's do it, Will. All right, you were in Detroit at Little Caesars Arena. Yes, sir. The curse has been lifted. <laughs> it's it was, it was so great. It was awesome. And we, we got to our seats a little late. Like, I think we sat down at, like, probably the under-12 timeout. And to sit down with, like, the game already, like, 10, 12, 15 points, oh, it was just perfect. It was perfect. Like, walking into the stadium, I was like, I just want one stress-free afternoon of basketball. <laughs> and you got and it. And what did MSU give us? They gave us a stress-free afternoon of basketball. So God bless them. Yes. God, uh, God bless them indeed. It's always fun when one of the uh, big takeaways is the exemplary rebounding of Steven Izzo. Oh my God! Yeah, three rebounds—that's that's big time. And also, He's... like I, I know that we started talking about like how we want to see experimentations with the lineup and everything like that. Mm-hmm. We went through every single experiment except Connor George substantial first half minutes. <laughs> and, like and... <laughs> we did, and he knocked down a corner three, buddy. Oh, he sure did. Oh yeah, that was wet. But yeah, <laughs> like of every single scenario we went through, like hey, let's do this, let's do that. Like nope, they found the one scenario that we didn't go over and gave CG some first half minutes. It was, Which, hey, it looked pretty solid out there. So. Yeah, it was nice to see. And you know what? Uh, we got to see Foster Lawyer off the ball with Cassius Winston a little bit. So Sure did. Sure that, did. Was, that was nice to see. Yeah, it's, it's always good to get a, a stress-free win. Oakland had 17 points at half. <laughs> That's not going to win you basketball games. It's not yeah. going to win you many basketball games. Oh, um, unless you're Virginia. That, then it's fine. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a, a number of things I think we can take from this that are actually – real and um positive because you know the the shooting wasn't great right no seven to 33 from the three-point line and uh michigan state is now like 200th or something in three-point percentage not great not at all and i think a lot of focus might come in that because when you play a team like oakland 
and you're Michigan State, uh, fans are going to look at that and be like, all right, we should beat them by 30 mm-hmm. or whatever. What you know? What's not going right? What's still not clicking that 100% right now, especially in the context of how the first uh, whatever uh, 11, first 10 games of the season have gone, you know? So I think that's a spot where people are going to be like, well, the shooting is just terrible. And yeah, it's hard to argue. <laughs> yeah, it, no, I, I'm not going to sit here and say <laughs> shooting seven at 33 was bad. Um, but, you know, it's just Cassius, one of nine, Gabe Brown, 0 for 5. And I think all 14 of those looks. Your two probably most trusted shooters from, from mm-hmm. deep go one of 14. And I would say 13 of them were wide open looks. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Like it was a game where based on looks – and who's shooting them like expected makes on those 14 threes probably would have been like six <laughs> and they yeah. made one. Yeah. Um, and they still won by 23 points. Yeah. Like boy, Oakland. Oh no. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> is, it's, it's not, not good at all. It's not. Um, credit to a uh, Daniel Oladapo. Um, sure. That dude, a looks like Patrick Beverly. Um, yeah. Oh has my the God, he does. Yeah. same sort of like, I'm going to fight you type yeah, look. Like, dog in him. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, there's something a little crazy behind those eyes, um, but he was getting after <laughs> it. Like he's, uh, I think he, they said he was a Juco transfer and you know, it's Oakland. They're all really fine basketball players, but none of them are sort of like, Oh, okay. This is a, this guy's real. This guy's a real good dude. Um, but that guy was just fighting the entire game, like trying to scrap and like they're down 17 and he's like, and one. It's <laughs> just like, yeah, no, I, I respect it, man. <laughs> I was just going to say, I respected I the hustle. Um, but yeah, it's uh, not a great Oakland team. Um, but I think... How, how do they beat Western by 10? How, how bad is Western then? Who dude, we're going to see in the we talked, Yeah, Western's like 250-something in Ken Palm in efficiency. They're just... Butt cheeks. Yeah, and the MAC usually has some decent teams and... You know, Buffalo beat somebody in the tournament and whatever, Um, but just not Western this year. No, God, no. Maybe they're just sandbagging. Maybe they're waiting until they come to the Breslin to really uncork it. I'm I'm sure that's it. Um, Sure, what we're made of. Things you like to see. uh, The assist to made baskets ratio was kind of back in line after a few games where it just wasn't really where it you expect it to be Michigan state's always one of the top assist to field goals made teams in the country. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, that can be, I think, I don't know. It's not a stat that people look to a ton. Right. Right. Um, but I, I think it's something that like, yeah, Michigan state is usually really good on offense because of something like that. Like that is a primary indicator. Like if you can be really proficient and, and assisting on all your buckets, like for whatever reason, over time, it just leads to, I guess, more easier baskets. And like Thomas Kithier is the perfect example of that, right? Like he does God, he not. Is so good at that. He, he is does, so good at just slipping away. He does not score without an assist, and he just scores all the time. Like every time he shoots it, he goes four for four from oh, yeah. the field for eight points, and they're all assisted layups. Like Thomas Kithier is the poster child for that at MSU. But here's the thing that's really sort of, I think, the most interesting about that. Uh, Cassius Winston only had four of their 21 assists. Yeah, I really had to take a hard double take uh, at like the stat board. I was like, oh, Cassius has got to be upwards of like double digits at this point, right? No. Four! Four! Yeah. 
So four assists, three turnovers. Um, he didn't, he, he flatly didn't play well. And we'll talk a little bit about perhaps why. Um, but it was really nice to see Xavier Tillman gets three assists. Gabe Brown gets an assist and he's not someone who is a big playmaker, but if Gabe Brown can score somewhere between 10 and 14 points pretty consistently, grab you four to six rebounds, get an assist or two. That's going to help Aaron Henry get six assists. And I thought he turned it over a little bit too much, but it was nice to see him find enough spots of aggressiveness. I, I, he mm-hmm. still needs to shoot more, uh, but he took five threes, hit two of them, gets 10 points, uh, six assists, needs more rebounds. But, it, it, you know, it was just nice to see him sort of work into the lane and make m- nice passes off of that. Um, and you're sort of seeing the, the steps, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so other than that, like, you know, a couple assists here. Lawyer gets a couple assists. Uh, Marvel gets a couple assists. Damn so, right he did. <laughs> it was it was just nice to see that. Um, the guys pick up their best player when he was not having his best night and then to still run away from a team that has been a thorn in their side, especially in neutral courts. Oh, yeah. um, nice to see Cassius Winston have an off night and everyone else kind of pick up the slack, so to speak. Totally. Um, let's, uh, yeah, I want to talk about defensive stuff too, which is not super fun. Let's hang tight here and then we'll, we'll sort of switch gears and and talk about the defense. I'm I'm sticking to my oath of keeping this thing tight for you. If you are a Spotify listener, use Spotify rap to show us your top on locked up locked. So it's your top locked on podcast for the year. Easy for me to say, take a screenshot, tag us at locked on live and, uh, we will share and retweet. Okay, so offensively, I don't know, a lot of the focus has been there for Michigan State, but I think defensively is where it should be. Um, mm-hmm. Michigan State is still a pretty good offense in terms of adjusted efficiency, which is kind of where you want to be um, at, uh, you know, at this early stage in the season. They're number three. Uh, and adjusted efficiency on offense, but on defense, they're 21st, Matt. Not bad. We'll take that. It's not bad, but, you know, it, it, you want it to be kind of in the top 10, right? There's a long sure. trend of national championship teams, most of them going back as long as Ken Palm has been tracking numbers. National championship teams almost all have a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. They just do. Yeah. And a couple spots where Michigan State has struggled this year on defense. Uh, shooting percentage against, effective field goal percentage against, and free mm-hmm. throw rate. So basically teams are shooting better against them than usual, and they're getting to the free throw line uh, more often than usual. Yeah. And you remember what we talked about with Oakland, what their entire offense was? It wasn't a winning formula. That's, <laughs> that's all I remember. <laughs> it was volume free throw shooting, basically. And then shooting 67% (laughs) when they get to said free throw line. That that is why it is volume. They get to the free throw line a ton, and they shoot it poorly there. So their volume free throw shooters is basically the best way for them to generate offense. Um, Well, Michigan State, you know, Oakland goes into this game with a free throw rate of 30, or no, higher than 38. Uh, It's 38 after the game. Um, Mm -hmm. And they end up taking just 12 free throws uh, against 65 uh, shots. So, uh, what is like point one seven? Like basically, Michigan State held them way, way below their season average at free throw rate, and held them even you know 
yes, it was a horrible shooting night for Oakland, um, but Michigan State held them way below their season averages uh, in effective field goal percentage. So the two sort of spots that we highlighted, free throw rate and effective field goal percentage, Michigan State sort of came through, yes, it's Oakland, but came through with flying colors with Mm -hmm. huge games in both of those areas. And you see it right away, like Michigan State was 25th in defense, now they're 21st. Primarily because of that, they jumped way up in field goal percentage against, and they jumped up in free throw rate. And that's got to be a trend that continues because, as we're going to talk about in a bit, um, their best player is not playing elite basketball like he's capable of, so they're going to have to like manufacture ways to win. Correct, and that's oof, yeah, that's going to be a discussion. You know, there's there's no good way to talk about it for <laughs> sure. So, yeah. yeah. One, what, a, what, a, what a sad story. I mean, obviously we'll get into it later. But yeah, then. it is. It's, it's tough. And one thing that uh, another thing that Michigan State, I think, does pretty well and will continue to do well is uh, the offensive rebounding was was huge against Oakland. Yeah. Like, when you can't generate in the half court, it really helps to have someone like Xavier Tillman grab four offensive rebounds. Arns grabs a couple. Kithier grabs a couple like that stuff can go a long way into sort of easing uh, pains in the half court. Yeah, man, but oof, I wonder if that's even going to be close to sustainable against like Big Ten teams that have great big men. This is a really good year for big men in the Big Ten. Ooh, how about that rhyming action? You like that? <laughs> a little Dr. Seuss action for you right there. Say it again. Really good year for big men in the Big Ten. For big men in the Big Ten. That's lame. Oh, sure it is. Yeah, but, I mean, the, uh, the rhyme is a rhyme. The Big Ten is all of a sudden, like, super dangerous. Yeah, this uh, – we were straight up lied to before the season. I know yeah. we've talked about it, but, like, yeah, oh, it's only going to be a 3-4 team race. <laughs> it's a Are you kidding race. me? Like, c- convince me to not <laughs> bet the like bet the home team every single game. Or just bet – no, actually, better strategy. Convince me to not bet the underdog with the spread every yeah. single game. I, f- I feel like that is a at least minimum 85% winner. <laughs> on the season you you will pay for you you will have another house in florida arizona or what have you with that formula it's it's 750 sunday night as we record this uh nebraska Mm -hmm. nebraska let's nebraska ball baby they're back (laughs) back nebraska ball let's just real quick let's let's pull up here we go nebraska 128 in the nation in ken palm with losses Mm -hmm. to uc riverside southern utah george mason georgia tech creighton and indiana yeah, and that's not even a good Indiana team. Like, a, no, no, Nebraska is back, but in the sense of like just back to being horrible. Like, it is. It's a decent Indiana team. They're, they've got some good players, and we'll see if they can figure themselves mm-hmm. out. Um, but man, that was a brutal game to watch Friday night. I was yeah. like, I, I'm not really having fun watching this. Like, <laughs> Nebraska is brutal, brutal, and they yes. beat Purdue by 14. Yes, <laughs> 14 yes. at home. Yes. Yes. There isn't a single team. Um, with two days rest. Yes. <laughs> with two days rest. They beat a team, Purdue, that is way better than them. That oh, is, yeah. um, you know, some tough losses, certainly. Like, But before that, they hit, Purdue beat Virginia, guys. Yeah. Purdue oh, my God. killed Virginia by 29. I'm looking at the Minnesota-Ohio State score right now, 53 to I know, 37. I know. I was just getting that. Oh, my that. God. Everyone is getting their teeth kicked in in this big 10 season. Ohio this is horrible. State. The number one team in Ken Palm, the number three team yeah. in the land, beat mm-hmm. North Carolina by 700. Yes, a yes, week on ago. the road. On yes. the road. Although Wofford beat North Carolina on the road. 
Mm-hmm. Ohio State goes to Minnesota, and you know what? Minnesota's usually a right a feisty tournament-ish type team. Yeah, they got that raised court, which yeah, uh, mixes things weird. up, you know? Yeah, it's wonky. Uh, yeah, no, Minnesota stinks this year. <laughs> Out loud, yeah. Or or do they, apparently? <laughs> They're 4-5. and five. They lost to Utah, 73 in Ken Palm. They are putting the beat down on Ohio State. Yeah, they're giving them the blues right now. This is <laughs> incredible. The, Rutgers, the, 20 pieces Seton Hall yesterday. Rutgers I mean, hammers Seton Hall. Yes. Hammers Seton Hall. It's Miles incredible. Powell, Miles Powell got hurt, but they hammered them. Yeah. The home Semantics. court advantage in the Big Ten right now is the most unstoppable thing. Yeah. In the world. Unless you're Michigan and you're not catching teams on vacation anymore in the Bahamas. Yes. But other than that, other than yeah, that. home court is where you want to be. In, within the conference, home teams are th- going to be 13-0 and 0 if Minnesota is able to hold on against Ohio State. Uh, me thinks that they could do this. I, yeah, I don't think know. they could. That makes me a little nervous for going to Northwestern. That makes me nervous to go anywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. Anywhere. <laughs> like, I mean, man. Northwestern's the bottom of the barrel. So <laughs> if it makes you nervous to go Northwestern, it makes you nervous to go anywhere. Yeah, but we saw Nebraska's bottom of the barrel, Minnesota bottom yeah, of the barrel, Rutgers the... not too great, but man, like all those teams, double digit wins <laughs> over the weekend. Yeah, so hopefully Michigan State can scrap one out against Northwestern, beat the directional teams, and get refocused uh, in the new year because, yeah, the Big Ten is shaping up to be a bit of a gauntlet. Hell yeah, it is. Um, and I don't like it one bit. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. Fun? <laughs> What do you mean fun? I, I want a cakewalk. I, I yes. want like a Gonzaga-esque season where we just play 20 high school teams. Like that that's what I want. Yeah, like I, I, I look forward to when Seton Hall was the tough game. Yeah. Go to Illinois. Like what are we going to – Illinois on the road, that's a, that's a loss. That's a loss. Chalk it up. After you Michigan on the road, three days later, Illinois on the road, that's a loss. There's losses in there. Don't even fly down to that game. Just stay up here. Mm-hmm. One zero forfeit, and yeah. then just save your bodies. <laughs> so yeah, Michigan State, Northwestern on the road is coming up uh, on Wednesday, which we will we'll talk about later in the week. But I don't know. I guess just before we dive too much into the Cassius stuff, um, was there anything you wanted to talk about from that game that you saw that you thought um, was interesting? I I thought. I liked Foster Nothing we didn't hit on already. Yeah, like the Foster Lawyer thing was, you know, it's fine. But like really just, and this was a, a common narrative, is just how wide the, the scoring was spread uh, throughout the team. Yeah, like that was yeah, nice. So. good point. Yeah, yeah but other than that, no, nothing we already haven't hit on. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six guys scored between seven and ten points. Yeah, you know. and like I, shooting would have been an issue if it wasn't a 23-point game. Like I remember sitting there mm-hmm. like we missed seemingly our 20th three-pointer in a row, and I was like, God, Looked up at the scoreboard and it's like an eighteen point game in two minutes. I'm like, oh, you know what? Yeah. I'm just gonna sit back and <laughs> yeah, let's uh, fine. get all the misses out against Oakland. Yeah, yeah, Which, yeah. Hopefully, um, God, Cassius one for nine uh, is tough. Um, God, what is he? Cassius is now shooting on the season thirty three percent from three. Yeah, yeah. So this is a mere two years after he shot forty nine or no fifty percent, forty nine point seven percent from three. Yeah, well, on 151 takes. Damn. Yeah, we could uh, talk about it. You ready to get sad? You ready to? Yeah, we're gonna have to get sad. Do this perspective thing. Yeah, let's uh, break for a sec, and then we'll come back and talk about uh, Cassius Winston and the story on him from Sean Windsor in the Free Press. Okay, so if you haven't read this yet, uh, I would classify it as a must-read. I don't know. Would you, yeah. Matt? 
Yeah, totally. I mean, from like a human story standpoint, feature yeah. story to like just honestly like a basketball story. Like, yeah. So, no, totally it's a must read. It is heartbreaking. Yeah. Obviously. Um, yeah. And revealing in a number of ways. The most important is just how wise and smart and courageous and full of character Cassius Winston is mm-hmm. as a person. Like, I think that's some of the things he talks about in there and his takeaways. Um, it's just par for the course for him, right? He's always been. Yeah a wonderful leader and someone who like, if he's in front of a microphone, you're at ease and you know, he's going to say something and represent the school really well. Like he always has. Yeah. Uh, but the other major takeaway is, uh, he's struggling a lot. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. there's an anecdote in there about, um, prior to the Duke game, his mom didn't go to the game because she just couldn't put on a brave face in public, which is totally understandable having, you know, a high profile game like that. Think of all the people that were back in town yeah, and right. every single one of them coming up to her and saying something about her son committing suicide. Right. Uh, and she just sort of sounds like last minute decided she couldn't go through with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cassius, kind of found out right before the game and that thing that moment totally derailed him yeah uh, he, just checked out yeah I mean. he spent the entire game thinking about his mom um, yep. looking at her empty seat next to his dad thinking about everything in his life other than how do I get past Trey Jones in this pick and roll which right <laughs> when you're playing basketball um, there's if success is the goal. If the maximum efficiency is the destination, you don't have time to grieve on the court. You just don't. Right. And uh, the entire time I was reading this, I just kept thinking back to uh, you and I talking about this a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was even last week about, you know, here's the reasons why Michigan State might be struggling. Mm-hmm. And so- right. someone responded to us like, it you know bleep happens you got to get over it whatever they need like it's not an excuse yeah right and there's been a few of those comments too which i find i mean people are entitled to their own opinion but i mean it's a thing where you literally don't know what someone's going through yeah of of course we all have things in our life that didn't go well and adversity and whatnot i i you know i don't want to rank things but i would imagine (laughs) this is pretty high on the like list of like how tragic something could possibly be. So yeah, I, I, this isn't something you just get over in a week and then you're, you're Gucci. Um, from that point on, like, no, this is something that's going to take probably the whole season, probably the rest of his life. I mean, so yeah. And it absolutely sucks because he seems like such a great person. They talked about in the story, how he wants to make sure that everyone's okay around him with his dad, his mom, his brother, um, his teammates. And yeah. And, so when you worry about so much and your head's in a fog like that, yeah, is it going to be a little hard to focus on the basketball court? Clearly, yeah. I mean, it's it sucks. It it sucks to see him go through it. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, I know it's an obvious thing to say, but I don't know what else to say other than it sucks. And I feel awful for him. Yeah, I think we just need to keep <clears throat> reminding people and keep talking about like because in a way, like this is how like I'm choosing to defend him in this, like from this sort of criticism and not just him, 
but the the team around him because uh, he is. I don't know what's like the star the straw that stirs the drink times a thousand. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, there might not be a more important individual basketball player in college basketball to his team than Cassius Winston. There might, yeah, there might it, not be. It's Cassius, Anthony Edwards, and Miles Powell. Like that's that's it right, <laughs> right. there. I mean, yeah, and yeah. it's not like those guys are and Marcus Howard, like right, super high volume possession guys take all the yeah, shots. Yeah, right, right. Cassius dictates everything, controls everything, and then also takes a ton of shots. Like, mm-hmm. and when he's not going, it's not just that he's not playing well. He's not doing the thing that he does where he makes everyone around him is be- uh, so much better. And then I think it's obvious, um, but maybe we hadn't considered this. Do you think maybe Gabe Brown, Xavier Tillman, Kyle Arns sees Cassius struggling and starts to then think about Cassius's struggling instead of playing basketball? It's it's not they're obviously not going through the grief exactly right, the same, right. but they're sort it's like secondhand. It's like, there though. It's there. They yeah. love him. They're feeling his pain. They're trying to ease his pain. You can't. You're realizing that like basketball's not this. It's usually this great freedom, place of freedom, outlet, get away from everything, go ball. And I, I, we can see that it's just not the same for him. Cassius has talked about it. it's just not the same for him. I know right. his teammates, when they're playing with him, are seeing, like, my dog's hurting right now. Right. And you can't tell me that that's not having a negative impact on everyone else's play. And there's No, I I, I think it'd be foolish to rule yeah. it out. Yeah, and, I haven't thought about it, but yeah. And there's literally nothing, nothing anyone can do about it. That's like the sick part of it, right. and that's how grief works. Um, it just has to be processed. You have to go through the stages, heal. Um, luckily, he's surrounded by love, surrounded by a, a great family, Great team, mm-hmm. very wise coaching staff, um, yep. and all the support you could ever need, um, and that's just going to hopefully ensure that it he gets to a place that he needs to be eventually. Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen in a couple weeks. Doesn't mean it's going to happen before the end of the basketball season, right? Uh, where he yeah. can go and play and kind of forget about things. Although, you know, he has said lately, and he said at the end of the piece, he's starting to it's starting to come back a little bit, right? It's been mm-hmm. a month and he called it the catch just called it the worst month of his life. Understandably. Um, totally. Yeah, yeah. It was November 10th or it was the night of November 9th. So a little bit over a month, a month and a week, five weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, what else is crazy too. Like, I'm sorry. The, no, the, the day just ahead. sparked it in my head is like that, that just makes the whole game against Binghamton even more incredible. Yeah. Like after reading that story, cause like they kind of dove into like what that night was like, um, as I was staying up with him until like four thirty in the morning, all the players come see him at midnight. Like that, that's crazy that a, that game was still played and B like at the level they played it at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously it, it was Binghamton. It, it wasn't the Los Angeles Lakers, but still like that, that's just, I, I'm, I'm even more blown away that, <laughs> that they were able to play that game that night at the level they did. Yeah. And then considering everything five days later, he goes to Seton Hall and puts 21 on a really good team yeah. to win a huge road game. And right. comes up super clutch down the stretch. Like, it's a credit to him, but that's not fair to expect that from him every time. Yeah. Like, there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. Sometimes he's going to play basketball on a bad day. Mm-hmm. And that's 
it's just life and you gotta accept it and he's gotta work through this and sounds like he is sounds like he's he's starting to be you know it's not even like happy is the right way like he's starting to be clear again right he's yeah, starting to right. the fog is sort of starting to lift because i think that's a good way to to, to describe that it's just a fog it's always mm-hmm. ever present it's just there <laughs> makes it hard to see even like the people in front of you have you can have a conversation with somebody and you walk away and you don't even rem- like what you don't right. even remember the conversation um, right so it sounds like he's starting to get some of that normalcy some of that clarity back in his life um and just for not even for obviously for basketball's sake just for his sake we we hope it comes as, as quickly and and as pain-free as as possible um but yeah basketball uh is taking a back seat as it should yep, yep. and and yeah, it's going to take a lot longer than a lot of people expect. Yeah. I mean, my, myself included too. I mean, mm-hmm. to a point, like I guess I didn't even realize it's it's already been a month. Yeah. And, we, yeah. I think we just and I got to do it too. We got to keep reminding ourselves as a kid becoming a, a kid trans transitioning into a young adult, basically mm-hmm. going through that and trying to lead a basketball team with national championship expectations and, and his own family too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really tough, and so. It's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. You just kind of hope that for his sake, at the end of the day, it kind of, he can get through it and get to a place where basketball is again, that, that outlet for him, that place of joy that, you know, he shared with, with his brother and it becomes something that he, he looks forward to doing and is freeing for him as opposed to an obligation that it causes him struggle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to continue to talk about that and continue to remind people because uh, it's completely and utterly ridiculous to um, not take that into context when determining, when making determinations about what this team has done uh, through its first 10 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Sorry for the somber note, but I, I thought... It was really important that we needed to talk about it. Again, if you haven't read that, go find it. Sean Windsor from the Detroit Free Press uh, about Cash Winston struggling with the uh, the grief of losing his brother to suicide uh, about five weeks ago. So definitely go check that out. Matt, we'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully you're feeling better. I uh, hope so. That'd be cool. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, I think neat. what we're going to do is, unless something more pressing comes up, we are going to do 2011 in our decade in review. A very fun football season and a basketball season that might be the most interesting. Yeah, that's we've one had way to under put D'Antonio, it. <laughs> or under Enzo. Right. Um, yeah, truly, truly bizarre basketball season. Um, so we'll talk about that on tomorrow's Lockdown Spartans. Thanks so much for listening. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find Lockdown Spartans wherever you get your podcasts. Matt, take us home. Oh, oh God, I was not prepared for this at all. Go green, everyone. I'm so sorry. (laughs) One one day I'm going to remember that I closed the show out.